It's the first Sunday in August, one of the hottest days in Calgary of the summer. 29 degrees, not a cloud in the sky, and just the faintest wind, enough to rustle the columnar aspens in the backyard of my childhood home. The neighborhood is quiet. The summer stupor is only broken by sparrow song and a distant lawnmower. Like everyone else, I'm in quarantine and have been for the past five months. The only outings I seem to go on are to the grocery store, and I'm longing for some deeper connection, which is why I've set out to call some of my closest friends whose art and creative practice inspire and make me happy. I want to explore how art and isolation intersect, what helps or hinders creativity in a world increasingly unfamiliar. And more importantly, I want to connect with my friends, some of whom I haven't spoken to in months. My only hope is that listeners find some reassurance or comfort in these phone calls, as I know I have. Whether you are an artist or adrift in a quarantine haze, I welcome you to Creativity Calls. I'm about to call one of my oldest and dearest friends, Rachel. I've known her since the seventh grade, when we shared the same homeroom class. She is the small business owner of Water and Color Vintage, talented painter, earring maker, musician, and teacher. Despite living only 15 minutes away from me, we're playing it safe with a phone call. Hey, Rachel. <laughs> Hi. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. How is uh, quarantine treating you? <laughs> um, it, it's been very interesting, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like you've been doing so much. Like, you've been really productive. Yeah, surprisingly. Um, I think when I first started out, uh, there was kind of a, a really good period. And then all of a sudden, I just hit plateau maybe yeah. downwards from there um and then I started my shop and then everything just kind of changed from there yeah let's talk about water and color vintage so like where did that whole idea begin uh, <laughs> I'm a little embarrassed to tell you the whole story but um so I guess during the the quarantine period um and I live with my parents right now um, yeah my dad kind of just made like a no outing rule whatsoever except absolutely essential so that just really means grocery shopping and, and I didn't even go grocery shopping um yeah so I was online a lot uh, inevitably um and I love shopping <laughs> and I love <laughs> buying things uh so yeah it, it just transferred online who knew that there was this uh huge market um 
online to yeah. buy things. Well, you know what? It wasn't even just like online. It was through Instagram. So um, it wasn't me like browsing several different shopping sites. It was me looking at pictures of things that people loved and people shared. I, I started to buy vintage. And yeah. um, before this period, I, I didn't realize that there was a whole other market for plus size vintage. And it's really hard to find plus size vintage in person. Uh, at least um, I find in um, Canada. Right. So I ended up finding a bunch of, uh, I think one of the ads were sponsored. So I ended up finding a bunch of um, plus size resellers um, on Instagram. And it just was a rabbit hole from there. Wow, <laughs> that's so cool. So you're basically like in person, you wouldn't be able to find the same kind of stuff that like is accessible on Instagram. No. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Like we think of social media as being this, you know, horrible monster sometimes, but it really has great power to do really good things. <laughs> yeah, and so you just started like a month ago, the shop on Instagram. Yeah, maybe about two months now. Wow, time flies. <laughs> yeah, and now you have like over 600 followers or something like that? Yeah, we're getting really close to 700, which is really exciting. That's so exciting. <laughs> Um, so you kind of like curate the whole shop and then you also have your own art artwork on there, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of just blossomed. Well, in the beginning, I started it, um, with my friends, um, being my models and I really just wanted to kind of clean out my closet. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Um, but also I guess earn back some of the enormous amounts of money that I spent. (laughs) (laughs) But I just thought what is something that would make this shop unique, right? Like, there's so many Instagram shops out there. Like, how can I make mine stand out? And then, Mm -hmm. I guess, I was looking for a name, and, you know, just a bunch of things crossed my mind, but I was like, you know, like, are are these names true to what I do and who I am? Mm -hmm. And so it just kind of became this, like, little existential crisis. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, So, but, yeah, we settled on water and color just because you know I wanted the platform to uh, sell and I guess promote my artwork as well as vintage yeah. um, it's kind of a lot to take on yeah it seems <laughs> like realized, a lot of work yeah yeah it really is a labor of love I'm not gonna lie <laughs> <laughs> there's no like you know click a button and you're good to go it's a lot of like research and learning and planning and all that stuff but yeah I decided to kind of for the first time sell my artwork um, kind of commercially in terms of like prints rather than just originals yeah Uh, and I think that really does make my page unique because I don't think a lot of resellers also promote their own art on the same platform right so it's like a blend of like fashion art and kind of like all the things you love in one page. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah. Uh, over time, I've like, well, you know what? I actually read this somewhere that um, like people want to follow a personality and people, you know, are drawn to kind of um, a personalized experience. Like they want to get to know the person behind the phone. You know, I, I started this from the beginning, but I didn't know that that was an actual marketing thing to just kind of put myself out there. And yeah. Talk my story. And yeah, it's also kind of morphed into this like body positive, just a page to just, you know, let people know that we're all in it together. 
I think just the amount of feedback and conversations I've had over this shop has been so, so good. Like, mm-hmm. I've met such wonderful people online and, um, yeah, I you know, I didn't think that that could be possible, but, like, yeah, it showed me the possibility of, you know, using social media for the good. been an artist for as long as I can remember like since we've been in junior (laughs) high um you just recently decided to like sell some of your pieces yeah yeah like how did that journey come to be where you felt comfortable doing that because to me art and kind of like monetary goals seem at odds sometimes but I think it's amazing that you've been able to turn like it into like a genuine kind of piece of your shop as well Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, well, it's a long, I don't know, emotional, sentimental, mm-hmm. all that kind of <laughs> yeah. journey. Yeah, I, I never really sold my art um, growing up because I think that, well, you know, I had a couple of experiences where I sold kind of commissions. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're a lot of work. Like, they really, really are. <laughs> and, you know, when people told me, like, you need to be accounting for the hours you spend in the work and then you know everything else so you need to pay yourself at least above minimum wage yeah and when you do that this artwork becomes you know hundreds of dollars and it's like you know I guess it's also Mm self-doubt you know uh, do I feel right charging someone several hundred dollars for you know a small painting right yeah um I had a lot of friends who have expressed interest and I guess during this period, I was like, you know, why don't I make it accessible, right? Yeah. Like, so I think that's what happened when I first decided on pricing. And you know what? It really doesn't cost too much money to run these prints. Yeah, um, so prints are, are much easier than doing a unique piece for commission. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And and I wanted to make my art accessible to my friends who, you know, might be unemployed right now, who just finished school, who don't have a lot of money, um, but still want a piece of my art in their home. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what really drove me to um, start this project. I think one day one of my sketches popped up from my travels and I was like, wow, like I haven't seen this since I made it yeah right and it's just sitting in my house inside my sketchbook and you know almost never being looked at uh unless you know I deliberately pull it out to admire it but like that how often does that happen right (laughs) Right. yeah yeah and it just made me really sad and made me realize like this would be so much better appreciated in someone's home um but because I do a lot of work in my sketchbooks uh and there's some originals that I I don't feel emotionally ready to part with. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, so I decided to run prints of them, and uh, that's kind of how I got started. And it was really to just make uh, art accessible to people, you know, who might not have hundreds of thousands of dollars to spend yeah. on, on art that they really love. Yeah, yeah totally.
before Water and Color Vintage, I remember being in art class with you in grade seven <laughs> and just being like amazed. I'm wondering where did that start? How did that artistic or, you know, the feeling of wanting to draw or, or paint or like make music, how, where did that start for you? I don't know. Yeah, when I was really, really little, um, when we lived in China, like I was just a couple years old, my, my parents kind of raised me as this um, traditional girl, I guess, in, in Chinese society, like, you know, someone who does music, someone who draws you know, all that, all that yeah. kind of like artsy stuff. And so I, my parents enrolled me in drawing class when I was like a wee child. Oh, really? Um, I didn't know yeah. that. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know, like, and then we had some art classes in school and we were supposed to like make projects for field trips. And my dad helped me a lot. And I, I guess I kind of got it from my, my genes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My dad drew a lot when he was, uh, I guess, a, a teenager. Oh, okay. Uh, but just kind of stopped um, after life got uh, uh-huh. real, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, a part of that is in me. And, yeah, and then when I came to Canada, like, I, I was again enrolled in art classes. And I just had so much fun hanging out with my friends. Because, um, like, our art teachers, it, I think it was two hours in total, like, the sessions and we'd spend, like, half an hour taking a break and just playing games. No. <laughs> and, and he just, like, made it fun. And, yeah, and then I guess I, guess I, I uh, mm-hmm. continued that in, in junior high when we knew each other. And that was, like, probably one of my most flourishing artistic periods. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, high school kind of hit. And my friends got into art school, but I decided that, like, that wasn't the path mm-hmm. for me. And it just kind of stopped from there because for some reason I felt like I couldn't make money as an artist but it's ironic because I became a musician instead (laughs) (laughs) which is like you know arguably it is an art form yeah yeah and but I didn't really pick up the paintbrush um until uh my friend who went to art school came to visit me when we when I was studying in Germany and she was like, why don't we just paint? Like, you know, I, I had bought a blank book. I don't know why. Maybe it was just a premonition. Yeah, that was premonition. Reignite my artistic passions. But yeah, she came and we started painting. And then we made a pact that I was going to keep at it. And so, like, a couple of years ago, that was the kind of rebirth of my... Wow, I didn't know that. So it was yeah. on, on your travels that that kind of sparked some more creative thinking and like got you to draw again and and i think one of the biggest things was like i went to music school and in music school there's not a lot of room for other creative ventures i would say like because you're so focused on your instrument right Mm -hmm. like that's that's your number one and it took a big hiatus from creating to Um, focus on on trombone yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a- another interesting thing about you. You you've created music like you were in band also all throughout mm-hmm. schooling. In high school you played the saxophone, right? Uh in middle school. In I middle played school. Percussion and then saxophone and then oh, okay. trombone. <laughs> okay. So, how did you land on the trombone? Uh 
Well, I've always wanted to play it because I thought it was really fun that it had a slide and like you could poke people with the slide. And maybe <laughs> some people you don't really like, you could hit with the slide. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really stemmed from a really childish uh, <laughs> um, desire. Yeah. And then I, I never got it, but then in high school they didn't have any um, trombones and because our, our music director was so good and she was like, oh, well, we need to balance the band. Like, we need trombone players. <laughs> and my friend and I were like, yeah, totally. Because, you know, there was like 20 saxophones and I just didn't want to be one of Oh, I see. <laughs> when the opportunity presented itself, I was like, heck yeah, I'll try trombone. Yeah, <laughs> you were open to it. That's awesome. Yeah, I've always wanted to do it. So I just decided that, yeah, now's the time. Yeah, and um, so you're still playing now, even after university as well. Yeah, very much so. How are you able to do that? Are you still practicing to the same degree, or is it kind of mm-hmm. more chill now? Well, I've actually found that university kind of killed a little bit of my love for music. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, like, I think as humans, we're so good at institutionalizing things. You know, like, we yeah. take something that is so simple and that's of pure joy and we find a way to complicate it and just make it something that's oh, I know exactly. unattainable. Yeah. Know? I don't know if you've experienced the same thing in your um, creative writing class, but... Yeah. Um, no, I... So, uh, yeah, I really... Yeah. But although university presented a lot of opportunities for me because I, I had a really, really good... Um, private instructor I guess he, he was basically my mentor really mm-hmm. uh, sometimes my dad too <laughs> and so he recommended that I try a bunch of you know summer camps out and just r- really drew out the grossness of, of the institutionalization mm-hmm. to, to um, it being something that's blossoming and prevents uh, uh, encourage different mm-hmm. opportunities so I ended up uh, joining the military <laughs> Um, to become a musician, really, yeah. I, I just wanted that experience of being able to play on the on Parliament Hill, wearing the scarlet and the. Oh man, I wish hats. I could have seen yeah. you there. That just sounds amazing, and <laughs> like I, I just find it remarkable that like that's one of the only like streams musicians can take. <laughs> like, like you have to join the military to like play your instrument, but um, yeah. But at the same time, that that is an amazing opportunity that the government does have, uh, you know, full-time musicians during the summer. Yeah, it's great. Well, you know what? Actually, the government has full-time musicians year-round. Oh, really? Yeah, there are several full-time regular force bands that make a living off of playing music, full-time in the military. You know, I think that some of us think of this as extreme, having joined the military, (laughs) kind of pursue your love for music, but it's really one of the best and most stable jobs you can have as a musician. So as a musician, like, how did it change once you were in the military? (laughs) Did you perceive playing the trombone differently? Like, were there certain goals you had to achieve that made it stressful? Or or was it actually fun? Yeah, well, basic training was no fun. (laughs) (laughs) No, of course not. Although I did make lifelong friends from this experience like I guess when you go through traumatic experiences together oh my gosh you know you're you're bound to each other by the trauma (laughs) Um, oh my god I can't imagine amazing community of um, musicians in the military yeah really say Um, and there's really a lot of good people and 
I think joining the military for my music career was the best thing I, I did. Um, it made mm-hmm. me love music more because it was like, oh, I can make money doing this. You yeah. know, and it wasn't just like, oh, come and play this gig for free to get exposure, right? Like, it yeah. was like, I'm actually getting paid to do what I am special Yeah, it, like, it's a career, and yeah, it's no longer, like, a hobby. It's something taken seriously. Yeah, and you know what? The military has actually pre- uh, presented to me with so many opportunities. Like, I was able to teach cadets, so I'm able to, you know, kind of transfer my knowledge onto a younger generation. And mm-hmm empower these kids to love music as we do yeah um, and also is able to perform at lots of different events like we played for the governor general um really we, wow yeah and it's just it's just really really cool um and and they pay you to do uh university courses if you're in the reserves it's up to four years you can get two thousand dollars for every year that you're in it's like, an artist's dream yeah, <laughs> it really is yeah Although you have to do basic training so <laughs> yeah so you you've put in your fair share of hard work yeah and it made me realize like how much i really want to be paid as a musician <laughs> yeah <laughs> Like, so you're trained to be a teacher, like you did education, Mm -hmm. um, and you just graduated from that. The role of the teacher was really important for you when you were growing up. Yeah. And, like, making things. Like, I guess, as a teacher, what do you want to, like, instill in in your students? My biggest philosophy is to instill, like, a sense of curiosity and wonder in in my kids, and... Mm-hmm. When I say that out loud, now I'm, like, reflecting back on my teaching practice, and I'm like, am I really doing that, or do I just want them to play the right notes? <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I hope that throughout time I'll refine my practice so that it's more about an exploration um, and getting kids to understand that the world is just more than good marks. And I think really successful people in this world are curious and they wonder and they go out to explore different possibilities, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we look at all the greats in the world, but they started somewhere, right? They started with a tiny project that just kind of blew up because they found a niche, right? Yeah. And like, but getting good marks all the time won't get you that, right? Like, you're just bound to the page. But what you really want to do is you want to kind of push the limits of of what we know and mm-hmm. um, create it into something that becomes personal to you and personal to other people. And so that's really what my kind of teaching practice is all about is that I, I want people to love to learn and mm-hmm. um, find that there's a journey in learning. And, and I think like, for me, the only reason why I've been able to keep up this shop for so long, like, you know what, I'm putting full-time hours into this it's crazy (laughs) um and I think one of the things that just keeps me going is that I'm learning every time I do something new like last night I did a commission um for a friend well really it was more of a trade um so it's almost a gift um I did a commission for her and 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 I realized like oh like shadow in watercolor really matters like that's what (laughs) makes it pop you know like it's just random little tidbits of knowledge that just encourage me to keep working at it 
Yeah, like it's always a process and we're always yes. learning. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I'm kind of interested in in like how you're feeling right now about art. Like I know you have mm-hmm. your Instagram, um, which is a really great outlet. But like as we're all kind of in this isolation, do you think that's changed the way art plays a role in your life? Like, has it been an outlet or do you feel pressured to make things because you're supposed to have all this time? In the beginning, I would say I was, I was like, oh, wow, all this free time? Like, I could be painting all day long. (laughs) And then I kind of was, like, I I did a lot of smaller projects back then, um, but then it just kind of stopped and I really felt like I was stuck because I felt pressure to create, but I didn't want to create because I wasn't exposed to new things. Like, I'm... I'm kind of a plain air artist where I I sketch and I paint when I travel and when I see new things, when I do new things. And that, I guess when I started doing the prints, it just made me feel like, oh, well, I don't have to really keep creating to be able to share my artwork with the world, right? Yeah. Like they were readily accessible as prints and I could reflect back on the memories, but I, I wasn't pressured to create. Although marketing Uh is a different monster in itself. (laughs) Yeah, that's a different kind um, of pressure. Yeah. Yeah, creating became kind of something different. Like it wasn't just something that, you know, had something that had to be new. It was like, oh, I can actually make something that I've already made and make it into kind of a quote unquote new thing, right? Yeah. If I'm I'm making it into print and marketing it that way. Uh, But now I've received a couple of commissions, like, and it's i'm gonna be honest it's been hard to find inspiration to do these commissions because it's like well it's not really personal to me right like it's personal to the person who commissions it Mm -hmm. but me um like i want to kind of still fulfill what these people want from me right Um, so i have to find a way to connect to what it is that they want and um, when I can sit down and when I do do it, I do mm-hmm. kind of find that spark uh, while I'm doing it. Uh, and it's been really cool kind of exploring um, different techniques and pushing the boundaries of what I think my limits are and yeah. are actually truly limitless. That's incredible. Like uh, to go back to what you were saying about your inspiration usually comes from travel. Mm-hmm. Um, and like now that we're all stuck yeah. <laughs> in like our homes, that's so hard. And like I really relate to that. At the beginning yeah. of quarantine, I I was drawing all the time, and yeah. and I and now I feel like I've I've hit this wall. But um, to hear you say that this like your Instagram shop has kind of invigorated you in a sense, and like yeah. seeing like the audiences respond to your art, it, it makes you feel kind of like free in a way. You yeah. aren't limited by what you thought you needed as an artist. You can overcome that. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's uh, well, that's kind of how I got started with the shop. Um, I, I guess I didn't mention that earlier, but um, like my friend, um, she she's an artist also and and she we were just kind of talking about kind of creativity during this time and how we're kind of like we feel like social media is the only way yeah Um, and we kind of viewed it as this like oh this barrier to us and our art right and our audience but um, if you ever get a chance to listen to a creative pep talk um by andy j pizza um he kind of talks about that as instead of viewing social media as a barrier, we should 
view it as like the greatest tool yeah, we have today totally. to connect to our audience, right? Like it, it used to be that, you know, that person would have to be there in person to view your art in order to be connected to your art mm-hmm. and to be exposed to your But now, like with a click of a button or you go under a hashtag or you follow a page, suddenly all of that creative process is just right there. Yeah, like and you... So, yeah. yeah. Like you become just, tapped yeah. into it in a certain way. Yeah, exactly. And you become kind of closer and your audience is somehow closer because, you know, you can just send them a, a direct message. You can just make right. a comment. And all of a sudden, like your connection is actually much truer than if someone was viewing your work in a gallery. Yeah, like you can curate your own gallery and you can kind of do away with that kind of like hierarchical process that's always kind of been intimidating especially for younger artists like us we can just do it ourselves on social media it's it's so powerful and i think um in a way this is all about perspective and trying to you know make something that um we view as this great evil but in reality it really can do a lot of good and wonders really Mm mm-hmm well, is there anything else in quarantine that has been inspiring you, um, <laughs> people or, or artists or, or music that you've come across? I think just realizing that, uh, well, I guess my main platform is Instagram, and I've come to realize that I need to follow people that I'm creatively inspired by. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just following lifestyle bloggers or like kind of, yeah. You know, these people who look like they're worth a million dollars on camera and, you know, always have has the perfect body and um, wear the most beautiful clothes or expensive clothes. Uh, and I kind of just realized, like, I need to be following people that that I connect to, right? Not Not just people that every day I'm like, oh, I wish I looked like her or, oh, I wish my life was as glamorous as them. And I wish I was traveling as yeah. much as them, you know? And... So, um, yeah, and I think it's just really about curating what you want to follow and who you want to become and to kind of just immerse yourself. Yeah, like kind of, you know, get rid of all of the fakeness that we associate with social media and like follow people who are actually being genuine about who they are. Yeah, 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 totally. And, And you realize like, when you stop, um, going for kind of, I would say, like, unattainable uh, images of, mm-hmm. of yourself, like, when you start pursuing things that are more true to who you are, you'll realize that there's actually a lot of people who are really successful in, in their niche to create kind of, or to blog about their creative adventures. Like, there's this lady that um, she she just does a blog about uh, being an art teacher, and, and she has, like, what, like, 30K followers? It's crazy. Yeah, like creating that story and not caring so much about the frivolous things of Instagram. But like, yeah. I love what you do on, on your posts. Like you kind of have a little story about each item or each painting. Um, that's really nice. It's like your own own diary of sorts. Yeah, I'm just trying to be more true in a way. And like, I'm trying to sell stuff, um, but <laughs> yeah. at the same time, I want to create, you know, good connections and not just make this all about money, because it really isn't. Like, if this was for money, I would not be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> it's about passion and, and doing what you love. Yeah, and, and to kind of, like, 
reconnect with others in the world and I'm hoping to get a little bit more into social entrepreneurship but that's a whole other story for a whole other day <laughs> yeah well where can people find you um well you can find me my main platform is uh Instagram mm-hmm. um, it's at uh, water and color color with just one o because i like the symmetry of the word color <laughs> instead of the oh i didn't even it. realize that and not the canadian yeah. spelling yeah. how dare you <laughs> I, I know i know i'm such a, I'm a true canadian yeah so my instagram handle is uh at water and color vintage um you can find all of my creations there and uh hopefully i'm trying to branch out into um some local brick and mortar shops uh so when that is a go i'm i'm gonna definitely give it a plug um Mm -hmm. on social media and maybe someday i'll venture into etsy and have my own website but for the time being instagram's been great to me and yeah that's where you can find me thank you so much rachel (laughs) okay thank you more thank you for doing this this awesome show like i love it thanks for being my first guest i mean i'm so excited (laughs) for this to like be out in the world (laughs) no it's been an honor and thank you for letting me talk about myself (laughs) yeah I mean I love hearing your stories like there's things that I didn't even realize like about you and it's nice to just have like a space to talk um specifically about creativity so yeah thank you yeah and I hope that you know other people are inspired by you know just listening and talking Mm -hmm. about creativity because that's where a lot of my inspirations came from too so that's really cool that we're we, we've done the full cycle <laughs> yeah exactly okay well i'll talk to you soon yeah for sure we'll keep in touch okay have a good day you too okay bye, bye. after i hung up the phone with rachel i felt buoyant that feeling you really only get after talking to a friend hearing her thoughts about her business music and art, gave me second-hand pride. She's thriving, even in quarantine. Thanks for listening to my first Creativity Call. I'm your host, Mormay Zanki, and this podcast was produced by myself in my bedroom somewhere in suburbia. Special thanks to Rachel Lee for her guest appearance on my inaugural episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, I welcome you to subscribe for future episodes. I hope you're staying inspired and safe in your corner of the world.